dismissed. Let's sit in this moment for a second. How unwavering our hope. He is coming again. And when he comes, he's bringing resurrection with him. This is our hope. In the midst of all the sorrow, of all the suffering, of all the wickedness and the atrocities that we see, this is our hope. Bow with me. Sit in this moment. Sit before the Lord who, sit before the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Sit with the lion who looks like a lamb, who acts like a lamb. What has the Lord spoken to you today? Can you thank him for it? Be still, my soul. For in the midst of all that we see that is ruinous and rebellious, Jesus lives and he reigns. He is. And he will forever be the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Lord, please be with us today. Actually, Lord, thank you for being with us today. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Lord, I know that uh, we've gathered here, but we've, we gathered here because you first pursued us. But even when we got here, Lord, you've pursued us. Thank you. Lord, fill us with the truth we need today. Fill us with the <clears throat> hope we need today. Fill us with patience and kindness and gentleness and temperance. With your love, with your spirit today. So that we can live as witnesses of your son, Jesus, of your love, and of your spirit's power in this world, despite all the hostility, all the rage all the wickedness. Lord, let us live as light. Lord, as we come to your word, speak through your word. Speak through me. Please clearly speak through me. And Lord, equip us. 
This is your time. We submit ourselves to you. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. I'm tired. And I'm not tired because I am 39 today. I know, y'all are surprised. Y'all thought a much younger man was standing before you. It's the dashing good looks, I get it. No, I'm, I'm tired. I'm tired of the news. I'm tired of the news that we saw on Tuesday. Tired of the frequency of those things. I'm tired of uh, the church not being the church. Or the church being a haven for predators. I don't know if y'all saw that news. It's not news anymore, is it? My wife happily said... Because uh, the Chronicle, I think their title for their for their uh, uh, report was "Bombshell Report of the SBC and how they've covered up uh, sexual predators, how they silenced victims." And my wife aptly said, "If only this were a bombshell." Are you tired? Are you tired of all this? Are you tired of the fact that uh, uh, not only do these things happen, but they happen in a society that is so overtly polarized that there can be no, there can be no discussion of a civil form. Uh, and, and, and not only is it polarized, it's so hypocritical, our society. The polarized ends call foul on one another and do the same things over and over and over again. So yeah, I'm tired of those things, and I'm sure you are tired too. And I think about this and today, this morning, and I think about uh, this weekend being Memorial Day weekend, and it's a weekend in which we, 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 we are considering and we are to honor those who have laid down their lives in service of our country. And we do, we honor them. We honor them as Americans uh, but, but really, as we sit there and we take a step back as Christians, we go, America, it's my country, but it's not my country. And so when we think about all the lives that were, that were slain protecting America, we also have to take a step back as citizens of the kingdom and go, what about all those other lives all around the world? 
and all those other armies and all those other nations, all those other people. And when you start to think about that, that even becomes overwhelming in and of itself again. So, good morning. I imagine that the weariness that I experience, that you experience, that we experience collectively when we think about all this sorrow and lewdness and lasciviousness and oppression and exploitation. I imagine that um, those who Peter was writing to in the book of First Peter were tired too. They were weary. In the book of First Peter, we have uh, very early on uh, allusion to the reality that the 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 audience addressed there. The disciples of Jesus who are addressed there in this letter have been under some heavy persecution. We find it there. He says, listen, uh, his very first opening to them, he says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, who according to his abundant mercy hath uh, begotten us again, has given us new life, a new birth, born us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Uh, blessed be God who, who's, who's given us this new birth. Blessed God who, because we are born into his family, we have an, an inheritance that is incorruptible. It, it's undefiled and it, and it does not fade away and it's reserved in heaven for you and, and it's kept by the power of God through faith and salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. He says, blessed be God. He says, for all these gifts. He says, and you greatly rejoice for these things, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. Many, many, plenteous, a whole lot of temptations. Now, what do you think about whenever you think about the word temptations there? Stealing the cookie from the cookie jar? That's a temptation. But let's think about it a little bit more, a little more deeply. What are the temptations when you are when you are living subject uh, to principalities and to powers, to authorities that are corrupt. I don't think we have to imagine too, too far because we live in a land where we are subject to corrupt rulers. So what's your temptation? 
in those times? Is your temptation to join a tribe so that you can get rid of the other tribe? And then justice will flow because we got our act together unlike those guys and those gals. Is your temptation uh, to throw your hands up in the air? Well, if this is it, if this is how it's going to be, why am I even resisting it? Throw your hands up in the air and let's get on with the party. Uh, I, I think about this. Did y'all see that thing between A&M and Alabama? Okay, so in college football now, they have finally decided that they uh, could uh, uh, pay uh, the athletes uh, for using their images and likenesses. <laughs> and, uh, and so A&M has had the best recruiting class. This, this, like historically, it's just... Their football recruiting is amazing, and it's all because guys with the name of Jimbo are amazing, right? Right? And Nick Saban, Nick Saban, sometimes whenever I see these wildly successful people be the most petty babies, it drives me crazy. It's like watching Michael Jordan's Hall of Fame speech. The guy reached to the heights, and he had no grace at all. In his victory. And Nick Saban gets up and he, he begins to say, like, suggest that, uh, that they've, they've been cheating. They've been, they've been just buying these players. And I was listening to some discussion over this stuff and, uh, and Jimbo Fisher came back and he, he said, well, there's going to be some stuff that comes out of Nick Saban. You know, he's acting like he's so clean and whatever. And I was listening to some discussion on sports radio about this stuff because, you know, this is a good way to waste your life, <laughs> your brain power. But, but whenever they were having this discussion, they were saying there are all these, uh, like, these secrets that go on in coaching and there's just these unwritten rules, like you don't share the secrets. And it's like these little ways that people kind of cheat, you know, and, and, and get ahead a little bit. But everybody, it's a gentleman's agreement. And I was thinking about this. I was thinking, how many of these coaches came in and said, I'm not going to do any of that stuff? We're not going to have to buy our players. We're, we're, we're going to find men of character and we're going we're, we're gonna to develop our team. We're going to develop their, their, their speed, their agility, their quickness. Hey, we're going to develop a scheme that is going to, and we're going to learn how to execute that scheme so that we can actually be victorious on the gridiron. And then they get in there and they find out you can't win that way. Because all of the team's that are winning are cheating a bit. 
Those players didn't go to that school out of the goodness of their heart. They went there because they offered them more whenever nothing was to be offered except for a scholarship <laughs> and a chance to play. And I think about like our political situation, like, like it is this machine where I think, man, the best, I, I don't think everybody who signs up is just innately evil. More so than I am, right? Do y'all understand what I mean? They're all just subject to the same temptations that I'm subject to. But then they get in there. And how are we going to get the votes? And then once we get the votes, how are we going to get the legislation passed? And they said, man, we're doing this for the people. And then we find out that there's things that the people want that they're not doing anything about. I feel like people, it's easy to give into the temptation. Throw your hands up and go, is this, if this is how you play the game, let's play the game. So, I'm tired of these things. I imagine that this group of disciples was tired of these things. And Peter, Peter has to address it early on. Hey, listen, you still have some great hope awaiting you. But I know right now you're going through a lot of temptation. And so Peter is writing and he's really wanting to commend them to uh, maintaining steadfast Christ-likeness in the midst and in the face of hostility. And, 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 and as I think about it, and when they are just so tired... They're so tired of, of trying to do that which Christ commands us to do. And so today, I want to read a passage out of this text and make some comments on it. But what I just fully want to tell us, uh, I think the message today, if you will, is this, is even though you're tired, we need to resist the urge or the urges. The urge to joining a tribe. And making an enemy We need to resist the urge to uh, throw up our hands and say, if this is how the game's played, let's play the game. Let's play by the rules. 
of this uh, wicked and rebellious world. And the reason why I want to tell you to resist the urge is a couple of things, and we're going to find it here in the text. But, but, but it, with Peter, I want you to resist the urge because <clears throat> we've been called to resist those urges. We've been called to do that. And, and here's the other thing. We've been empowered to be able to do it. Right? We have a, an example of somebody who's gone before us who's resisted those urges. And any other temptation you can think of. And, and he resisted those urges. Not as an innocent bystander. But as the object of ridicule and shame and violence and hostility and aggression. Right? He wasn't just watching all this stuff go on in the news that made him tired. He was one of the kids hunkered down in the school. He was the 16-year-old girl whose pastor decided that she was there for his pleasure. He resisted the urge, not just being tired of seeing it all happen and unfold. He resisted the urge while the, the enmity was against him. And when we know his story and know that one has gone before us who was just like us, that's a key here. You can't think about Jesus with the S on his chest. He's not, he's not from, from some other planet where the only thing that can get him is kryptonite. He came in flesh and blood as a human, just like you and me. He was empowered with the same spirit of God that we've been empowered with. He was fully human. So this was not like, hey, he was tempted, but he wasn't really tempted. No, he was full on tempted in every way which you and I were tempted. And when we look at his story and we go, oh, we are not to go look at it and go, oh my goodness, he did something I could never do. We are to look at it and to go, oh, he went before me. That means, and that gives us hope and strength and power to, to go, I can do it too. That works, doesn't it, in this world? Man, I do not, I do not track on the same wavelength that my children do at this point. And what I mean is this, is, um, well, I hope I don't, <laughs> right? But, but, like, but what I mean is this, is you cannot tell me I can't do something. There's not ever been something that I've looked at and said, oh, I just don't know if I can do that. I, it just, that is, I'm not wired at all that way. Maybe it's because I was always little growing up. Now I'm so... Big, I just kind of held on, but, but but maybe because I was so little, and, and it was like I had, I felt this need to maybe prove myself at every step. 
I don't know what it is, but, but, it, but, 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 but I, th- I thank God for it because it's not of me. It was of him that I was, I was given this kind of nature to say, hey, what, th- this is why at 25 years old, whenever a church calls me to pastor, I don't go, oh, I can't do that. I go, yeah, I'm ready, baby. Let's get this going. And now at 39, I'm going, what was I thinking? I couldn't do that. I still can't do it. Don't amen that. Do not amen <laughs> But my boys, because I don't have this wavelength that they have, my boys, if they don't get it in the first try, they're like, ah, I'm done. Asher did not learn how to ride his bike until he was eight years old. And I could not be the one to teach him. Because I'm like, all right, we'll just keep trying, buddy. He's like, no, I don't want to. I'm like, get over here and try it. I can't believe, you know, like I have no patience at all. So uh, I, I, great that I will try anything horrible at being patient with people who, who, who just don't have that same attitude. I, y'all, y'all should know this. Uh, I left Lola Rios when we were, we were in Colorado, we were going skiing and, and she wanted to learn how to snowboard. And, um, and I took her up on the mountain. They're like, Oh, Macaulay will teach you. Yeah. Because Macaulay's really patient at this stuff. But we went up on the mountain and, um, and she was like, I can't do it. And she was like, I think I'm just going to walk down. And I was like, all right, and I would have <laughs> took off, and I think about that every now and then. I'm like, what a jerk am I? And she, like, came down the mountain, and, like, I'm telling you, like, crying, like, that she was left up on the mountain, and here I am, you know, acting like I'm, you know, some good guy, but I have no patience whenever it comes to that, and that's a big flaw. But anyways, all this to say is, when my boys see somebody else in their peer group doing something, it motivates them. I, I, I think I could probably try to do that. And so we have power, and not only are we called to do this, we have power in that we have this story of God become flesh, full flesh, full blood, fully vulnerable and susceptible in all the ways that you and I are vulnerable and susceptible. And not just passing by and seeing wickedness, but being the target of wickedness, of hate, of hostility, of aggression. And withstanding it. And here's the thing. I don't think we think about that too as much as we need to. And if you're really, really, really honest with yourselves, what we do too often is say, well, yeah, Jesus did it, but he's Jesus. Instead of going, Jesus did it with the same spirit that I'm empowered with. Jesus did it with the same ability to relate to God as I'm able to relate to God. I mean, outside of the moment of transfiguration where I think that was a special moment for a special purpose, what we find of Jesus is he retreats to pray. And guess what you and I can do? We can retreat and pray. He was given the same experiences of life that you and I have been given. He's been given the same uh, uh, written word of God that you and I have been given. The same wisdom that was handed down to him has been handed down to us. And you could almost say for us today, we have even more on hand. 
and it's more readily available. One of the things that scares me so much for my kids is, is that they have like access to everything. But I also think it's pretty amazing that they have access to everything. They have a question and they want to study something and they want to find it out. They can go and they can, you know, learn about it. And the good thing about my boys is where they are, where they lack in drive, they are brilliant. And they don't get that from their daddy. And they really don't get it from, no, they get it from their mama, right? No. They are, they're, they're bright and they're and curious and inquisitive and, and I love it. So see, that's what you do. You have to say a good thing after you say And then here's the last thing that I want us to see, and we're going to see this, we're just going to run through the text. I'm, I'm doing kind of my preaching at the front, and then I'll do some more preaching at the back, and then, and then after that I'll do some more preaching, all right? If y'all know me, but no, I'm just joking. I'm going to really try to do, stay on this this morning, but, but here's the last thing that we're going to see, and this is what I want us to understand about it. Like, not only are we empowered with the story, we're also empowered with the spirit, so I want us to keep those two together, but, but as we were singing the songs today, This, I, this, this truth, this reality just was kind of pressing in on me. And here's the deal is Jesus, like the truth of the matter is uh, Jesus didn't join up with the tribe because there was no tribe to join up with. And what I mean by that is all of us are part of the problem. And sometimes I think we forget that. We forget that maybe we didn't take an AR-15 and ruthlessly slaughter teachers and children the other day. But when my son was trying to ride his bike, I demoralized him. (laughs) Maybe you weren't part of a committee that was saying, oh, if word gets out, what will that do to our organization? Let's cover it up. But I would imagine that as a family, y'all have had discussions where you said, okay, we're just not going to tell anybody about this. And here's the thing about that is when we come to the text, what we have to fully, fully embrace is Jesus. Jesus did what he did because he was pursuing us. He didn't join a tribe because there was no tribe to join, but he did what he did because he wants Every last one on this planet who has been and who will be to know that he is not 
against them. He is for them. And he loves them. And he said, I can't show them love. This endless, selfless love. If whenever they call me a name, I call them a name back. I can't do it that way. And so he doesn't throw up his hands and go along with the scheme because he sees that the scheme is an endless cycle of death and destruction and decay. The scheme is what wearies us. So, the text. First Peter chapter number 2. Beginning in verse number 11, Peter says, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims. Strangers and pilgrims. Let's, let's hold on to that identity. I beseech you as people who are living in a land that is not your home. To abstain from fleshly lusts, or as I said, resist the urges. Abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul. Uh, Have your conversation, or your lifestyle, the way you conduct yourself. Honest among the Gentiles. That whereas they may speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God tomorrow. Today, later today. You're going to do one good thing and everybody's going to see it and go, oh my goodness. In the day of visitation. Now, maybe he thinks here when Jesus returns on that great day. Or maybe he thinks whenever the Holy Spirit breaks through like he did on the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus. It's hard for you to kick against the pricks any longer, isn't it, Paul? The point that I'm making there is we have to be... uh, Diligent, steadfast, and this abstaining from fleshly lust, and this resisting of the urges. Then he says a word that we all love submit. Submit your application. We like submitting your application, possibly. Submit yourself to somebody else. I do not like that. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. Whether it be to the king as supreme or unto governors uh, as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. This was really a very, uh, a very uh, uh, hopeful word about government. 
Not only today, but in his day. It's a hopeful word about government. Hey, you know what? You can submit yourself to the king or to the governor, to the regional governors over you, and here's what you should do. You should do it for the Lord's sake, but you should do it with this mindset that, hey, listen, they're only here. They're only here to go against the people who do evil. And they're only here to uphold the good citizens. That's a very hopeful word for government, isn't it? But yet Peter, under the power of the Holy Spirit, encourages disciples of Jesus who were being persecuted as evildoers, even though they weren't doing wrong. He encourages them to submit. He said, for this is the will, the desire of God, that with well-doing, with well-doing, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. It is the will of God that... By not joining in the schemes of this world, by not playing by the rules of this world, by not becoming a coach who goes, ha, let's go buy that player. (laughs) By not becoming the politician who says, okay, let's not vote on that because although although that would be good, people might see it and think I'm on their side. So let's vote now. Did not go along with the exploitative, oppressive, unjust ways. It's the will of God that through uh, uh, justice and equity, uh, kindness and gentleness, through love are you doing good to others those who deserve it and those who don't you will put people to silence verse 18 verse 17 honor all men love the brotherhood fear God honor the king Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear. Two words, again, that we don't like. We don't submit. We don't like the word servant. If you do like the word servant and you think, oh, well, I'm just a servant leader, be treated like a servant. That's one of the best quotes I've ever read. If you want to know how you, how, how humble you are or how much you love to be a servant, tell me what it's like whenever you are treated as one. Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, not only to the ones who are good to you, but also to the forward. For this is thankworthy. If a man for conscience toward God, if a man out of a zeal, out of a desire to please God and to serve God, out of a love for God, if out of this ye endures grief and he suffers wrongfully, that's worthy of thanksgiving and praise. 
celebration. And then he goes on to verse 20. He says, what glory is it if when you are buffeted for your faults, you shall take it patiently? There's no glory in that. But if when you do well and you suffer for it and you take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. This is what God looks at and says, good on you. For even here unto were you called. You were called to live this way. How were we called to live this way? Because Christ. Because Christ lived this way. Because this was Jesus Christ's modus operandi. Jesus suffered wrongly. Jesus took it patiently. He endured grief, suffering wrongly, and he did it patiently, and he did it as unto God. See, he left us an example that we should follow his steps. He did not sin, neither was there guile found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile again. When he suffered, he didn't threaten but he committed himself to him that judges righteously. And Jesus, in his own body, he bore our sins on the tree so that you and I, so that you and I could uh, put to death sin, be dead to sin, and to the power of sin. And that we could live unto righteousness. By whose stripes you were healed. Verse 25. He says, listen, you were like sheep going astray. But he left the 99 and followed you. In your weariness, I stand with Peter and tell fellow disciples of Jesus to resist the urges. Resist the urges. Resist the urge to join a tribe. And to do everything that you can to, 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 to distinguish yourself as a member of that tribe. And to do everything that you can to condemn every person and every ounce of thought or philosophy of the other tribe. Resist the urge. Why? Because... because your tribe is not of this world. You are strangers and you are pilgrims. You're sojourners. But, but also, what's the example of Jesus? The example of Jesus before us is he did not join up with a tribe. He did not click up. He did not get jumped into a gang. He did not find
a group and say, they got it all together. And look at everybody else and say, you got it all wrong. Jesus came and he, he organized a new way. Resist the urge to say, if this is how the game is played, I better get on board and start playing it. Shaming and condemning them because they shamed and condemned me. Let's go. Jesus not only gave us this example, but here's the deal. The reason why he did this was because he was pursuing us. He laid down his life, not just as an example of this is the way to go, although that is a big part of what he was doing. He also laid down his life so that he could ransom us. So he could take us out of, out of the life of sin. And he could birth us into the life of righteousness. You know, whenever you open your Bible and you're not looking at the right text, it takes a minute to kick in. Yeah. He pursued us so that we could die to sin and we could live unto righteousness. He took the beating, the pain, the punishment. so that he could gather us back into the sheepfold. And so it's not just our example, it's our hope. He did it, and that means that you and I, you and I, we have a new life in Christ. And I think that would be the kind of final thought that I would say is we have to do this, not join a tribe, not, you know, play by the wayward rules of the world. Because we understand not only are we no different than anyone in this world whenever it comes to our susceptibility and our participation in the brokenness. But because we understand we want everybody to experience the reckless love of God.
And so you and I become the living witnesses of Jesus' story. You and I take part in being the example that Jesus was. So my brothers and my sisters, are you weary? Let's resist the urge. Let's look to the one who's left us an example of a better way. Better way than all the uh, options that we have on the table right now. And let's do it because he loved us. And let's do it in love of others. And with that, I say, amen. Will you bow with me? Lord, I love you and I thank you for who you are. God, I thank you. I thank you for the, the better way. Um, Lord, though I know this way, though it's been taught to me, though it's been modeled to me and exampled uh, to me throughout my life, uh, Lord, I confess that I don't all, often or always or often follow the way. I don't always love people the way that I'm supposed to love people. I'm not always patient. I'm not always generous. Uh, Lord, uh, sometimes I look at people and I make them the enemy. And instead of blessing them, I curse them. And so, Lord, I confess this morning that though I know your way, I do not always follow your way. And my prayer this morning is that you would help me, that you would empower me and equip me, Lord, that you'd keep your son's example and your spirit's power alive in me so that this week as I go, that I will follow your son, Jesus, that I will walk after him, Lord. I pray that not only for myself, I pray it for my brothers and my sisters. And I pray these things in Christ's mighty, resurrected name. Just before we are closed with a song, I'm going to invite you just to a moment where you might come before the Lord. Maybe you need to pray a prayer of confession just like I prayed there. Maybe, uh, maybe there's some explicit things, not general things, but some explicit things that you need to share with the Lord. Um, I would invite you right now that you can do that. Maybe you just need to come to the Lord and say, God, uh, please give me the strength uh, to not grow weary in well-doing, and, um, and maybe there's some question that you have before the Lord that you need to bring to him. But in these next few moments, uh, I would just invite you just to uh, go to the Lord in prayer, uh, processing what, you've, uh, what the Spirit has spoken to you, and uh, seeking him uh, for the way forward.